0: This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Would you all turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians this morning? 1 Corinthians will be in chapter 3. Uh, chapter three, and we're, we're going to read the first three verses. First Corinthians three, one through three. Would you stand? <clears throat> and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are not you, are, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. For this uh, privilege, Lord, of being able to come and examine the scripture. Look to you for light, understanding. Father, we thank you for and the privilege of corporate worship, Bible study. As always, we ask for your blessing. We uh, acknowledge, Lord, our helplessness, our dependence upon you. For truly, without you, we can do nothing. So, Lord, we, we pray. Open our understanding so that your truth is not just heard with the physical ear, but so that it is heard and received with the heart. So that our lives are affected by it. So that all of those who are in this room who know You may grow because of it in grace and in the knowledge of You. And we do pray, Lord, if there's anyone in this room who does not, know you in truth, that you would take truth of your word home to their heart, pierce the hardness and change the heart so that this day they are brought into submission to you. Know and receive your love and salvation and spend the rest of their time here in this world living for Your honor and glory. Lord, may that be the desire of each one of us, that our remaining days are spent to bring glory and honor to You and benefit to one another. By leaving out your will, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll be seated. Well, many of you probably heard the term "carnal Christian." <laughs> That's what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning because the text demands it, and uh, so <laughs> so we want to we want to deal with what's in the text. Um, I will say this, maybe maybe a little different view than what what you've you've heard, but we want to try to try to get from it um, what what the scripture is teaching here, what the Holy Spirit is revealing to us. Um, Paul in these passages up up to where we are, so so the, now we're, we're moving into the third chapter. So the first two chapters, all the way up to where we are now in chapter three, has presented us with several. Contrast and we 've tried to point them out as we 've moved along of course that 's a common thing in the scripture we 're always presented with contrast for example between those who love God and those who don't and that that sort of thing very common here's a, a few of the ones we've been given here and um, oftentimes uh, paul is is uh, uh, evidently using the language of the Corinthians and they're, they're going to be Cases of that as we move through the text, and I will I will try to uh, I will try to remember to point them out as we go. Um, and, in other words, he's picking up their language and, and using it uh, uh, against them. And by that I mean against their their argument, their their uh, their wrong behavior uh, in certain ways. So here here's a few of the of the contrasts we've seen: contrast between wisdom and folly, right? And then Paul has shown us, and again, this is an example of him using their, their language. Uh, uh, the word for wisdom here is so, Sophia, where we get our word sophist. You know, some, someone who are philosopher, someone who loves wisdom. Um, and oftentimes they think they're full of it. Um, and, and Wisdom, that is. And uh, so, so Paul talks about, and he makes that contrast, and he, then he goes on to talk about what true wisdom is right it's the message of the cross it's christ crucified it is exactly and this is what i mean about him taking their language and using it against them their quote wisdom is actually folly and their quote folly what they view as folly um is 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 uh, the message of the cross so so what they view as folly is actually wisdom so paul just turns everything on its head so He's made that contrast between wisdom and folly and then shown the, the truth behind it. What you think is wisdom is, is really what we would call worldly wisdom, and so uh, it, it is nothing compared to the wisdom of God. And what you think is folly uh, is actually the wisdom of God manifest. Christ crucified, the message of the cross, the word of the cross, God's means of saving the lost is actually... Wisdom—it is the wisdom of God, manifest on display. And so, as we're going to see this morning, we'll we'll talk a little bit about their wrong thinking. It's—it's what they have done is—is—is it it appears is accept um, worldly thinking along these lines. And even even though I believe this is a—it seems to me that Paul grants that this is a genuine church; these are believers. Yet they have picked up on some worldly thinking. Okay, Uh, that. By the way, it's going to be kind of the main uh, area of application. There's a a warning sign here for us to to be careful of picking up on worldly wisdom and mistaking it for real wisdom and, in fact, replacing the gospel with it. So here's another contrast between the spiritual and the natural. We, We talked about that last week. And we gave some definitions. Who is spiritual? Who are the spiritual ones that Paul is talking about here? So, for example, in verse um, 13, he says, We impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Or you could say the the spiritual ones. Um, And then again, in our uh, text this morning, Chapter 3, verse 1, I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual. The ESV translates that as spiritual people, the spiritual ones. So, so, um, there you have on the one hand the spiritual, then in verse 14, chapter 2, verse 14, the natural, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually Discern. so there's this contrast between the spiritual ones and the natural ones and that word for uh, natural is uh, suki it's the word from uh, for soul so you, you could call him the, the soulish the soulish man uh, who was it that said I'm a soul man um, well scripturally speaking I, I can't remember who it was at, at, at present but uh, it's probably best but scripturally speaking uh, that's not a good thing to be a soul man okay <laughs> The soulish ones. So you've got a, a, a contrast between the spiritual and the soulish. And the idea here is saved and lost. So it's just simply this. We, uh, we, we, uh, we went through these defining them last week, but it's just simply this. The spiritual ones are those who have the Spirit. That is the Spirit of God. And the soulish, the natural ones, are the ones who do not have the Spirit. In fact, Jude says they have not spirit. So those are the, the, the natural ones. So Paul, in, in those verses, he's making this contrast between a, someone who has been born again, who's been regenerated. Um, verse 12, chapter 2, verse 12. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. What he's saying is, to, to see the wisdom of God for what it is, wisdom, you must have the Spirit of God. And so he's saying that the spiritual ones, that is those who have the Spirit, see God's wisdom for what it is. To us, he says, it is the power of God unto salvation. Christ Jesus, to us, is made wisdom. All right? So, it, it's those of us who have the Spirit. But to the natural person, verse 14, that is the person without the Spirit, the unregenerate, the lost person, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. Notice, by the way, he doesn't say... The natural person is neutral concerning these things. I mean, he doesn't even put that out there as a category. You, we 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 are tempted sometimes to do that. You say, you know, the, the the lost person. You've got some out there that just hate God, and you've got some out there that are just indifferent. That's the way it appears sometimes to us, because for one thing, because our our judgment is pretty messed up. Uh, but if you if you shine the light of God's word, God's truth on on this on the situation. Uh, it, it it's actually um, the case that there is no neutral position. So those who are spiritual, the spiritual ones, understand spiritual things and they embrace spiritual things. They embrace the gospel. To us, it is the power of God unto salvation. But those who are unregenerate, those who are lost. Even if they are very religious, which is possible, in fact, not uncommon, but even if they are very religious, if they're lost, if they're unregenerate, if they don't have the Spirit of God, in other words, then the wisdom of God is folly to them. It's folly. There's not a neutral ground. In Romans 8, Paul um, says it uh, this way by saying that, that person, the natural person, the mindset of the flesh, the carnal mind, is at war with God. Not some of them. All of them. So you've got the spiritual ones, those who have the Spirit of God, and therefore receive, you know, we're taught by the Spirit, he says here, and we receive spiritual truth. And then you have those who do not have the, the Spirit of God. The, the natural person. The soulish person. And they don't accept the things of God. They, they are foolishness to that person. And they're not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, to, to rightly understand spiritual things. And, and let's just be specific here because this is what Paul is talking about. To rightly understand the gospel. And to see it for what it is, you must have the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God interpreting spiritual truth to us. The spiritual ones that enables us to understand. What Paul means in the, in the last part. I, mean, I know this is kind of a mind-blowing statement in the last part of verse 16. We have the mind of Christ. But that's what Paul is saying. We, we have the Spirit of God. We have the mind of Christ revealing these truths to us. So, what I has not seen or heard nor has entered into the heart of man or, or the heart of man imagined, up in verse 9, verse 10 says, God has revealed these things to us through the Spirit. You, you, don't, you don't come to this knowledge any other way. Not if, you, not if you really got it. Not if you really know the truth. If you, if you see the cross... The message of the cross. Christ crucified. If you see in that the wisdom of God and you realize that there is no other hope for you, there is no other way of salvation, there is no other means of reconciliation to God, there is, there is no other way to be in right standing with God, that is, to be, to be viewed as righteous before God, except through the cross of Christ. That is, through the work, the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you truly see that, and we're going to see here in a moment, your it, your, your, your life is changed by that. You're, you're, you're radically changed by that. And it's because of the Spirit of God at work in you. It's because God has made it known to you. And it, and it always comes back to that, ultimately. Um, sometimes people ask, you know, just for example, this would be, a, a, in, in my estimation, this would be another spiritual thing. You know, the natural man has not received the things of the Spirit, but the spiritual man does. How, people will ask sometimes, how do you know that that's the Word of God? I mean, because I believe it's the Word of God. It's, not, not, just, you know, it's not, not just that it contains the Word of God. In other words, there, there's four or five verses in there that are really the Word of God. So, yeah, that contains the Word of God. No, the whole thing. The whole thing is the inspired Word of God. Not the chapter divisions. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about the chapter divisions. <laughs> not, even, not necessarily even the titles. Some, some of the titles of the books were, were, uh, were placed there by men. But, but the words, you read this book, you are reading God's Word. It's, it's, not, it's not a code you got to figure out. You know, you, you don't have to crack the code. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm working on Genesis and I'm trying to see what it really means. Well, well just, just take what it says. I mean, that's what it really means, okay? That's what it means. This is God's Word. God breathed. God inspired, the word we, we typically use, exhaled. He breathed it, okay? This is the Word of God. And people say, well, how do you know that? Well, I can, I can give all kinds of reasons. Um, uh, Manuscript that, you know, evidence from manuscripts. Um, you, you could point to um, evidence through people's lives who, ha- who have read it, lived it. You, you could point to a lots of things that we would consider evidences. But bottom line, what it's going to wind up at the end is God, God has revealed it to you. If, if you really believe this is the Word of God, it's because God gave you that understanding um, th- those those of us who who understand this to be the word of God, just as an example, I mean, we can look at the same evidences as m- maybe somebody who's lost and doesn't believe it. They may look at a lot of the you know I've looked at the, the, the manuscript evidence and I've I've talked to people I've heard testimony I still don't believe it's God's word. It's still foolishness to them because they don't have the Spirit. Bottom line, it's, it's always going to come back to that. You, if you have the Spirit, then um, that's why you have the understanding of spiritual things. Now, you, that doesn't mean you'll get everything perfectly. We'll come back to that in a minute because this is what's tricky about this whole text. Paul is writing to a group of Christians here and calling them carnal. It's interesting, isn't it? All right, so... So that's another contrast: the, the spiritual and the, and the soulish, or the natural. He also makes a contrast between the mature and the infants. This is going to be important for our discussion. This, the rest of our discussion this morning. Look in verse six, chapter two, verse six. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age. And by the way, that's that's another contrast: old age, new age. And, and I don't mean new age, um, you know, like the uh, Shirley MacLaine, uh, Tom Cruise, or who, you know, whatever. I'm not talking about that kind of new age thing. Old age as in this, this life, this world, as opposed to uh, the new world that, uh, that awaits us when we're glorified. Um, or we could just say the kingdom of God, because it, it's already and not yet. There's a not yet aspect of it. New heavens, new earth, um, glorified bodies. And boy, we all we all we all look forward to that, don't we? Glorified bodies, um, and uh, no, you know, no more going to the gym and uh, eating broccoli and all that kind of thing. Um, just it'll, it'll be, it'll all be fixed. All be fixed. It'll be better than we ever imagined. Uh, so that's the, that's the not yet aspect. But there's all, an, an already aspect also. So, so here, here's the irony. For the Christian, in one sense, here we are living in the old age. I mean, we're still living in the flesh. We're, we're still dealing with sin. We're, we're still having to uh, uh, deal with the world around us. But in, in a very real sense that we don't want to miss out on, we're already part of the new age. We, we've already entered into the, to the kingdom of God. And that has a very real and profound um, effect upon us. It's, it's not just that, okay, we're going we're gonna to experience all that in the future. No, it's already started for the person who has the Spirit. It's not complete yet, but it's already started. The, the, it's your best life later... Okay, not now, later. <laughs> but it's good now. It already gets good. But, uh, but your best life later. Okay, um, now there's another... Uh, well, let me just reiterate this. The, the contrast between mature and infants is going to be important. Mature is in chapter 2, verse 6. I just showed you that. Um, if you look over in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, But as people of the flesh, as infants... I had to speak to you as infants in Christ as opposed to the mature, back in verse 6 of chapter 2. So there's another contrast between the mature and the, and the infants, which again is going to be important. And then, um, contrast between the spiritual and the merely human. These get kind of tricky, but uh, the, the spiritual and the merely human. And again, that's a focus on the spiritual, those who have the spirit, and those who don't. So in this case, the merely human, which uh, he mentions in verse, in verse uh, three and four, you're behaving. Verse three, but your their behavior was in a in a only in a human way. In verse four, um, are you not being merely human or or carnal? Are you not yet carnal? So. Spiritual, again, being those who have the Spirit and, and the merely human is, coincides with the natural, the soulish man. Those who don't have the Spirit, the unregenerate. And then there's a, another uh, contrast that's very similar to what I said about the mature and the infants. Um, just like the spiritual and the merely human uh, is another way of saying spiritual and natural. Um, there's a contrast between the mature and the fleshly the mature and the fleshly, the carnal. The old King James says carnal. Alright, so let's let's go through some of that with with some of those in mind. Particularly, like I said, what's going to be important for this part is the contrast between the mature and the infants, or the mature and the the fleshly. So, in chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, "But I brothers, right there. We, we need to notice that 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 word brothers, and and it's and it's all inclusive. That's that's good for 2012, isn't it? Because pe- people like all inclusive things, <laughs> and so it's good to be inclusive. This is an inclusive word, brothers. In other words, it can it can it doesn't just um, apply to males. He's not singling out the males here." It, it, it would be uh, the, the brothers and sisters. You could paraphrase it. He's he just meaning all of the all of the church family here. Why is that important? Because again, he's referring to them as genuine Christians. He, he doesn't seem to doubt that. Now, he's probably in doubt about some of them, but when he when he speaks to them generally as the congregation, he he just refers to them as. As the church are those who are called to be saints or brothers or chapter one verse two sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now I think that's really important because I think what the Holy Spirit is communicating here is that these these are Christians. This is a real church. This is a genuine church, not just in an outward sense. Now today we make a distinction between the visible church and the invisible church. And I, I, I think that's valid sometimes. We have to be careful doing that. But the visible church being the congregation. You know, I can look out over this congregation now and I, and, and I see, you know, the church. In other words, a congregation. Is everybody in this room saved? Well, that's another issue. So when we talk about the, the invisible church, we, we mean everybody that is truly saved, born again, the spiritual ones, is the way that Paul refers to them here in this text. That, is that everybody in this room? Well, I don't know. I don't know. There might be people in this room, might be at least one, maybe more than one, who haven't been born again. So the visible church would just be, you know, the congregation as we see it with the natural eye, everybody that's here, um, or you could say, you know, you might say the church at Halton, and, and you might be including in that First Baptist, Fillmore, Princeton. You might be including several groups, and you say that's the church at Halton. You know, those are the and and some other groups. We wouldn't just include the Baptists, by the way, but I'm I'm just just an example, okay? Don't don't take me too literally on that. But you, you that's the visible church. But the invisible church are the ones within that group who are genuinely saved really part of the body of Christ, the spiritual ones. So, it seems to me that Paul thinks these, this is a real church. So he says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. That's, that stings. Why does that sting? Because who are the spiritual ones? They're the ones that have the Spirit of Christ, right? The ones who have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So even though He refers to them as brothers, I, brothers, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. That's the word carnal. It's, there's two different words here um, used from the same word group. I don't, I don't want to make too much of it, but I want, I want to point it out. In, in verse 1, that word flesh or carnal... In the ESV, it's of the flesh, as people of the flesh. Um, that's that's one word, sarkinos, or sar- sarkinois in this case. All right. In verse three, are you? Uh, For you are still of the flesh. Same phrase, of the flesh. That's a different word though, kois of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not? "...of the flesh." So in verse 3, he uses one word. He uses it twice there in verse 3. It's different from the word he uses up in verse 1. Um, slightly. Slightly. And this is the only reason I'm pointing it out. It's, just, it's, just a, it's related. Very related. But it's, there's just a slight nuance there. In verse 1, it's the idea of being composed of flesh. So, for example, like the physical. You know, we're, we're all fleshly. Being fleshly in this sense is not necessarily bad, sinful. We're all in the flesh. I think I think that's what Paul was meaning when he said, um, "You know, the law is spiritual." Romans seven, the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. I'm of the flesh. He uses this word. I think he's just saying, "You know, the law is a spiritual thing, but I'm I'm a natural thing." And then he goes on to say, "Sold under sin." Um, so so, in verse one, it's just the idea of being composed of flesh, which is not necessarily bad. however, here we're going to see that it's bad because of the explanation that he goes on to give, but it's just here it's just the idea of composed of flesh, but when you get down to verse three, are you still of the flesh and then again, later in the verse, um, are you not of the flesh? The idea there is 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 to be characterized by, by, um, we would say, carnality or fleshly things or, or, you know, a fleshly mindset. To be worldly, in other words, would be a way we would would state it. And that is the issue here in this text. That's what he's he's indicting them for. And we've already seen some of the reasons why, right? Because they were, uh, we know from the previous chapters, They were pursuing worldly wisdom. They they had lost interest. They had lost interest in the in in the true wisdom of God, the gospel, or or maybe it would be fair to say it this way: they were losing interest. They were moving away from the gospel in pursuit of worldly wisdom. They they seemed to be enamored with um, the wisdom of this world and uh, the rhetoric of this world, you know, eloquence of speech and so forth. They, they were very much buying into the worldview of their culture that they had just been delivered out of. And that's what one thing that is so uh, astounding about it. This whole mindset worldview and that, worldview that they had just been delivered out of the 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 you know kind of philosophic mindset of the of the Greeks here um, going after worldly wisdom and and uh, and great uh, schools of philosophy loving the rhetoric they they just came out of that now they're now they're moving back in that direction the 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 gospel that has changed their life has become devalued in their mind. It's like, well, you know what? This, this is too simple. And it's, it's, not, it's not profound enough. And then on top of that, Paul doesn't preach it eloquently enough. I mean, he's, not, he's not giving us the kind of what, what they would call meat. He's not giving us the meat that we need. He's not feeding us and Paul's going to show them that the problem is not the food, the problem is your appetite. You're, you've got an appetite for the wrong things. So it's, 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 not, it's not the problem in the, in the food. You know, you want a, you want a bowl of M&M's instead of, uh, you know, eating broccoli or whatever it is, Right? So you're 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 malnourished, not because good food wasn't available, it's because your appetite is focused on the wrong thing. So Paul says, I couldn't address you as spiritual people, people who have the spirit. That is sting because what he's saying is, I couldn't address you as saved people. People who are who who have the Spirit of God and who are therefore embracing spiritual things. You know, you're seeing spiritual truth for what it is, the wisdom of God, and embracing it people, and growing because of it. Paul says, I, I could not I address you in that way, but I had to address you as people of the flesh. People composed the flesh as infants in Christ. Now, again, I said this is key, this, this distinction between maturity and, and uh, infancy. Back in chapter two, verse six, he says, "Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom." All right, among the mature, mature, we do impart wisdom. But for you, he says, "I had to, I had to speak to you as infants in Christ." Now, what I'm, what I'm suggesting is, is this, and I think this is what Paul is is saying. You might be saying, "I'm kind of confused by this." He's, he, he, you said they're spiritual. Paul refers to them as, a, as brothers, a genuine church, and now you're saying they're carnal, they don't have the Spirit. You know, I, I have to address you as fleshly, you know, people who don't have the Spirit. I, I, I think what he's saying here is, in reality, you're one thing, and you're acting like another thing. I think that's what Paul is saying. So I, I don't think they are fleshly in the sense that they don't have the Spirit. They do have the Spirit why he calls them brothers. But they're acting like people who don't have the Spirit. And so, he, he refers to them as infants in Christ. He's, what he's saying to them is, you are not mature. You, you think yourselves mature. You're, you're all enamored with wisdom, quote-unquote. Sophia, the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of this age, you're all enamored with that, and you don't think God's truth is on that level. When we talk about the simplicity of the gospel, Christ crucified, it's on a wisdom meter, you've got it here, And then, you know, worldly philosophy, you've got it here. And when we deliver the message of the gospel in simplicity, in your mind, because it lacks the great rhetorical skill, you've got it here. So they don't, you know, they didn't like Paul's preaching while those. Rhetoricians that you chase after and philosophers you 've got them here, so their scale is all messed up they are they are thinking and behaving, Paul says, like people listen listen to this because this is the warning, this is the danger. they are thinking and behaving like people who do not have the spirit of God now that is is a Bad thing for a Christian. So Paul says, I could not speak to you as spiritual pe- people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk. Now I think here he's using their language. So, in other words, they've been complaining. Well, you, you're giving us milk, Paul. We need meat. You're giving us milk. We need meat. Because they, they don't think the gospel is meat anymore. We need something better than that. I need help. I need change. I need, I need to grow. And the gospel ain't getting it. That's the way they're thinking. They're thinking like the world. So, we're going to find an organization, or like we, we talk about in, church, in, a, in a Sunday school, rather. Uh, maybe there's a parachurch organization out there. Maybe there's some kind of good motivational speaker out there that can give me what I need because i'm not I'm not getting it from Christ crucified. That's a problem, Paul saying that's a problem. That's a big problem. you if if you're not getting help from the gospel, the problem's not the gospel. That's what Paul was saying. The problem's not the gospel. It's on the receiving end. we used to uh, tell my age here some, but, you know, I'm from the CD generation, and sometimes when, when when you weren't able to communicate on a citizen's band radio, you know, you tried to figure out, is a problem on the sending in or the receiving in. They don't have a good enough receiver. I don't have a good enough antenna. So, I mean, you do all kinds of things. You buy power mics. You buy... My, my neighbor, he had an antenna that... Um, I NASA would be impressed. I mean, it was it was pretty amazing and uh and he could and of course he had all the power mics and everything he could sit at his kitchen table and rotate the antenna you know it was it was way up you know probably uh 30 40 feet up you know and that thing rotate so he could zero on in in on the signal that he was uh whoever he was trying to talk to if they were in bozier you know he could rotate that thing around pointing toward bozier it was impressive yeah i wanted one of those but i never did get one but if, if, the, if, if we're not getting what we need from the Gospel, the problem is on the receiving end. There's nothing wrong with the food. It's nutritious. The problem is the appetite. And so Paul says, I, I, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Their, their thinking wasn't right. And even now you are not ready, not yet ready. That's an indictment, because they should be. The author of Hebrews says makes a very similar statement to the Hebrews. You ought to be, he says. You ought to be teachers of the word. By now. But you're you're still having to be spoon fed, you know, little. Gerber, that kind of thing. That's what Paul is saying. I I had to speak to you as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready, for you are still carnal. Or you are still of the flesh. And here, it's that word where he's talking about, you are characterized by worldliness or fleshliness. That is, you act like someone who doesn't have the Spirit of God. And that's what he goes on to say. Rest of verse three for you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Isn't that an interesting statement? You're you're behaving as mere humans. You say, "Well, my goodness, I'm not Superman. Shouldn't I be behaving as a mere you you know? I don't, I don't have supernatural powers. No, you got something better. You've got the Spirit of God in you. If you're a Christian." There used to be a, a song I know It was kind of a silly song, and a lot of people got offended by it. But you know, the original Superman by the Henson's. He can move a mountain. Has power over night and day. Neither death nor height nor kryptonite can take his power away. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's, he's more than Superman. And he's dwelling in us. So, in that sense, no, we shouldn't be merely human. The Spirit of God is in us, revealing spiritual things to us. But Paul, when he says you're acting like merely humans, he does, he's not talking about physical limitation. He's not saying you ought to be out running freight trains and jumping mountains, uh, jumping over buildings. Well, no, what he's saying is you ought to be understanding these things because you have the Spirit. But you're behaving like someone who does not have the Spirit. So you think, and here, here are some of the characteristics. So, so you think that the Gospel's not enough, there's got to be a self-help program out there that can, that can fix me. No. It's Christ crucified. It's the message of Christ crucified. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the good news of the Gospel. That's what will fix your real problem and my real problem. But you think the Gospel's not enough. There ought to be something better than God's Word, that can help me. Or, there ought to be a better way of communicating God's Word to me rather than just sincerity and simplicity. Give me some good rhetoric. That's that's a couple of characteristics. Here's another one straight from the text. Jealousy and strife. Now, that word jealousy is uh, the idea of rivalry. So Paul says there's, there's rivalry and quarreling among you. And, and, and by the way, uh, he's already mentioned quarreling once back in chapter 1, verse 11. So, he, you know, the, the, you look at the gospel and, and you see foolishness, and then there's rivalry among you rather than the unity that, that, that ought to exist. Remember, again, back in chapter 1, he said, I want you to, to say the same things. To be of the same mind. That's verse 10, chapter 1. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no schisms, no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And that's not the case. So that's what he says here. You've got jealousy and... and, and uh, um, Rivalry, or or rather rivalries and and quarreling, jealousy and strife among you. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh? That is, if, if there is rivalry and quarreling among you, doesn't that show, Paul is saying, doesn't that show that you are acting like, you are behaving like people who have not the Spirit of God? Now, what he's doing here... And we won't have time to go through this this morning. I'm just going to mention it so that when we do, you'll be looking for it. But what he's doing here is, is, is exposing the nature of the real problem with the Corinthians. And that is their lack of understanding of the church what the church is, and how it operates. They don't understand that, and that's why they're at odds with the leadership. And that's why they're at odds with each other. There's schisms among them. They don't understand the role of leadership. Paul's going to deal with that. And they don't understand covenant community, and Paul's Paul's going to deal with that. In other words, they don't understand the nature of the church. We'll have to we'll have to come back to that here, but let me just show you the evidence of it here uh, before we close. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh or carnal and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? So, he gives an example here, Some, which he's already mentioned earlier on. Some say, I'm of Apollos. Some say, I'm of Paul. Some say, I'm of Cephas, Some say, I'm of Jesus. It seems to me the real issue here, or the the, the the main schism um, among among the congregation, is, is between those who follow Paul and those who follow Apollos. <clears throat> the reason I say that is because back in chapter 1, when he just kind of gives an example, he says, Some say I'm of Paul, some say I'm of Apollos, some say I'm of Cephas, some say I'm of Jesus. But now here he's getting down to the nitty gritty and and he focuses in on, verse 4, what their little sayings, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul. And then look at verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? You see, he zeroes in on that conflict. And if you go back and read Acts 18, you, you find that Apollos was a, an eloquent speaker. It's interesting, isn't it? And he's from Alexandria. Not not Louisiana. I know what you're thinking. Nothing good comes out of Alexandria. But, no, I'm not talking about Louisiana. <laughs> Egypt. And Alexandria was, I mean, you know, it's one of the, the part of, you know, the heart of all the, the, the different schools of philosophy and so forth Paul so, I'm not saying Apollos was corrupting them in fact I don't think that was the case I think Apollos was just a good preacher <laughs> he was just good at expounding the word and doing it eloquently and so some of them jumped on that not the content of the gospel but the way that he presented it and then divisions were you know they look at him man he is an awesome speaker and they look at Paul and say, yeah, not not so good. And, and but and then some of them could recognize, you know, Paul is uh, is telling the truth. And they well I, you know well I'm of a Paul, and the other well I'm of Apollos. Apollos is a lot better apostle than Paul. And so there's these schisms, rents in the garment, like we talked about a while back. And it's all evidence of their carnality. Now here's what I want to be clear on, and we're we're done. <clears throat> Their carnality. I I, I, I don't think there is such thing as a carnal Christian. If we mean by that that you can just be given over to the flesh. I mean, this, this is actually taught in a lot of places. You, you can come to Christ. Make, a, in other words, you make a profession of faith. And if you get up from that and live like a child of Satan for the rest of your life, you're still saved, you were just a carnal Christian. Now, I I think that is wrong teaching and very dangerous teaching. And it is very prevalent in, in many, many churches out there. I do not think that's what Paul is describing here. Now, you people are carnal Christians in that sense. And it would be better, you know, if you just come on and live for the Lord. I, I think what what Paul is is saying: you are genuine Christians, you are acting like, you are behaving like someone who does not have the Spirit of God, and you need to um, repent. In other words, the idea that somebody could just Live in a manner given over to the flesh for the rest of their life and be a Christian, I think is an absurdity to Paul. And that's why he's calling them on it. He's saying, you can't live like this. You cannot if you have the Spirit of God. And so he's bringing the strongest charge against them. You are acting... You are behaving like someone who does not have the Spirit. Now, there's a lot that could be said that we don't have time for now. Maybe we can do it later. Uh, I'll just briefly mention, but a lot that could be said in terms of application there. Think about what Paul points out, for example. um, Their attitude toward the leadership, which again, he's going to deal with. Their lack of love for one another. Just the opposite of what we we read this morning in Galatians 5 and 6. You know, they're not loving one another, caring for one another, seeking the good of each other, esteeming each other higher than themselves and so forth. They're divided. They're schisms. They're tears. They're, They're rivalry and quarreling. All of these things, Paul says, are evidence that you're behaving like lost people. That's the danger. You're, you're behaving like lost people. And He's calling them to remembrance. My words, Paul says, that is the Gospel, came to you in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Your lives were changed. Not by rhetoric, eloquence, worldly wisdom. You had all that before you heard the Gospel. Your lives were changed by the Gospel. And that is what you need to depend on now. That's the Word for us, brothers and sisters. It was the Gospel, the message of Christ crucified that changed us, that saved us, that brought, that regenerated us. That's what we need to depend on now instead of looking somewhere or anywhere else. We don't need to act like the world, always in pursuit of something to tickle our ears, something to satisfy the flesh. We need to do what Paul says in Galatians 5 and 6, walk in the Spirit. By the way, that's what that word behaving is right there. Uh, At least it's behaving in the ESV. Literally, it's walk. Paul says you are walking only in a human way. Paul loves to use that, that terminology for life and conduct. Walking. Walking. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Because you're the spiritual ones. If the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Would you stand please? as we close I said the danger for those of us who know the Lord is that we live like the world pursue the things that the world pursues in other words that we live like those who don't have the spirit that's our manner of life and conduct There's another option for those who pursue those things and live that way and that is that they truly are without the spirit. If if the if the, the gospel, you don't see the gospel as enough, you don't see Jesus as enough. God's word is not enough. And you're looking for something else to satisfy, then it's very possible that you're lost, that you don't have the Spirit of God, that you've not been born again. So, as we, before we dismiss this morning, I just want to urge you, if that's the case with you, and urge you to. Be honest with yourself and honest before God about the state of your heart as far as you can know it. If that's the case with you, I'm going to urge you to cry out to Him for salvation and mercy. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything. <laughs> you don't have to come to the front. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say... Come to Christ. You deal with Him. Let let Him deal with you. Your heart to His heart. Vice versa. Because I can say truthfully, there is no hope anywhere else. And even though we get distracted sometimes, and Deceived about certain things. You know, all of us do. We're subject to temptation. Even though that's the case, I can say confidently there is no satisfaction anywhere else. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can truly satisfy your deepest and truest need. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for Your Word and for the gift of Your Holy Spirit. Lord, we do uh, recognize, Lord, even as Christians, that we're not as attentive to Your Word and to the operation of Your Spirit as we should be. Lord, we want to be more sensitive and we look to You for that. Because again, we acknowledge our dependence. We can do nothing apart from You. So we pray. We pray, Lord. uh, Guard us against thinking and behaving like those who do not have the Spirit of God. Guard us against living like the world. May we never forget it is the Gospel, it is Jesus, it is the message of the cross that is salvation for us and the only Satisfaction for a longing soul. Enable us to live for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.